Well, happy almost weekend to all. It is Friday. That means it's time for another edition of the Speaking For Him podcast. I'm Adam McNutt, alongside the temporary host of the program, Russ. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. I am, of course, Russ with the Russ and Iser Day Show, where we take politics and ruin its self-esteem. And uh, we're here joining the wonderful people from the Speaking For Him podcast. We get a little joint podcast going on here. Uh, next to me is my co-host, Brent. Hi, Brent. Hi. AA meeting. Uh, <laughs> we're happy that Andrew has asked us on to uh, to join him uh, here. Thank you, Andrew. Well, thank you. I'm glad that you guys are here, and I'm excited to be joined by my co-host across the way, Adam. And we're all four hopefully going to participate in a lively discussion as we lead up to the Michigan primary Tuesday, March 8th. So we're very excited and through a glitch in the weather, uh, we are recording a day later than we would normally record the Speaking for Him podcast. But the good news about that is we can talk semi-intelligently about Super Tuesday um, because it happened when we would normally be recording. Which when I, when I looked at the schedule and I realized that was the case, I was like, oh, bummer. So the weather forced us to be in here on a Wednesday. And so here we are to give you a preview of the Michigan primary, along with where we are so far in the election process. So thank you for joining me, guys. And But before we dig into the meat of our show, Adam has a quote of the day. This comes from Samuel Adams. Let each citizen remember at the moment he is offering his vote that he is not making a present or a compliment to please an individual, or at least that he ought not so to do, but that he is executing one of the most solemn trusts in human society, for which he is accountable to God and his country. And I just want to say very briefly before we dig into our checklist here that I think that quote really hit me square in, in the eyes when I read it because I was thinking that's really something that's missing from the electoral process today because we think about who's popular, we think about um, what we want out of a candidate, and usually it's, it's, it's semi-self-serving. You know, we say, who can bolster the economy who can do such and such, but really we need to think about the the character of a man. And I think that is front and center in this election, possibly even more so than the last couple of elections, the importance of it, because we've, we've seen what a lack of character will do to the White House. Mm-hmm. And uh, to add on to that, too, it's something we've talked about on uh, Russ and I's Your Day with, uh, with your vote. Your vote is is your vote. It doesn't belong to an individual or, or a party. It, it, it is you, and you're the one who has to be held responsible at the end of the day for how you cast that uh, and, and whether you cast it for what you're being told to cast it for because it's, you know, maybe the only candidate who can win or whatever. You know, you, you have to be accountable for, for how you vote. All right. Well, I want to start, and I know uh, you guys have touched on your podcast about this. For those who don't know, Rust and I is Your Day is a regular podcast of the political uh, political persuasion, and um, they've experimented with different schedules, but I believe right now you're at three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday? Yes, that's correct. We do uh, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and uh, episodes get posted. Uh, we try our best to get them right in at 5, 5 o'clock. And it's, it's very important, and I know Russ and I have discussed this off mic before, very important for us content creators to really get feedback 
on what you like about the show, what you don't like, so that we can tweak it and make it better for our listeners. I mean, I would do this even if nobody was listening except me. That's why I got a co-host to make sure that at least one person was listening. <laughs> but, uh, but you know, I really love it. But I also want to serve the needs of listeners. So it's important for feedback, and I'm pretty sure that you guys would concur. Oh, yes, absolutely. Very much so. So I want to just start with this uh, checklist we have um, for today. And I want to just touch a little bit on... Uh, the recent death of Antonin Scalia. And to me, this really ratchets up the importance of this election. Because mm-hmm. I think what certain people don't realize is that when you choose a president, you're choosing someone with the power to greatly um, change the Supreme Court. And if you change the Supreme Court, you potentially change it for 30 years. You know, and and for all of the bluster that Donald Trump has had about how he's now a conservative and how, you know, everything he used to believe he doesn't believe anymore. It's been very concerning to me that he's talked about nominating his sister to the Supreme court when she is known to be pro abortion. She's known to be liberal. And if he appointed her, she'd be there for many years after he was out of office. So that in itself is a dangerous precedent. So could you just talk a little bit about your feelings in that regard and how important it is as we Think about the future of the Supreme Court. Yeah, and, and on top of Donald Trump, of course, talking about nominating his his sister, uh, who is a, a current judge. I don't remember exactly what circuit or she's in at the moment, but uh, he's also been very openly critical of, of Justice Scalia throughout the years. Uh, Justice Scalia is widely referred to as one of the most you know strict con- constitutionalist, pro constitutional. Uh, justices that that's on the supreme court and uh, his passing has left a, a major gap in it that uh, could could tip the balance uh in favor of the more liberal justices on the on the court for for many years we've had kind of the five four conservative majority for the most part and uh, and with this this could really shape so many different uh, uh cases coming up uh if we get a president that doesn't elect uh, a point i should say a point uh, constitutionalist to the to the bench yeah not only that i think uh this president that's going to be elected is going to have the opportunity to appoint about three supreme court justices along with uh the open seat that scalia has left so it is very important um you know if if trump does get get the nomination excuse me, if he does get the nomination uh, and he does appoint a sister, let's pray to God that uh, she's his older sister. (laughs) (laughs) That was a good one. Um, Yeah, and that's something to, Brent brought up a good point, though, on the the sense that Scalia's passing was rather kind of more of the surprise ones. Uh, There's there's several coming up that, I mean, Ruth Ruth Bader Ginsburg has been on the court since before America was founded, and <laughs> she's still kicking. But you know, there there were some expected people who are who were uh, who are expected to leave the bench, uh, and so the next president already had that on his plate. But now Scalia added a whole new dimension to it, uh, in that sense. And we won't spend a lot of time talking about it, but I'm still wondering about that whole situation, just the way, just the way that it came down. I mean, very seriously speaking here. I really am. It's tough, uh, the tough for us, but we'll try. 
But um, uh, will you? Why don't you take the next thing on our list? Ah, yes. Why are primaries important? Not to just steal the mic. <laughs> from Freddie, but feel feel free to steal a bag when you. By the way, can I just quick throw in how comfortable you guys look going shoulder to shoulder in the same uh, microphone? <laughs> you look very comfortable. Uh, we don't want to delve too far. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but why are primaries important? They're they're very important because uh, you know for the major reason of they let the voter have a choice in who represents the the party. Now America is pretty unique in the sense that we have a pretty rigid two party system uh, that has been that way for a long time. You know, you look at places like the United Kingdom or Australia; they've got multiple parties uh, that represent a broad base of people. But uh, here we have the the two parties, so we have this this unique opportunity to choose who gets to represent the the party. I think that's very important. Uh, I think a lot of people get muddled down in the in the idea that, oh, well, i got to think about the general election, so I'm going to vote for this person based on their potential for winning the general. And I primaries mean, give us this great opportunity to vote who for who you want to vote for. Yeah, and the, the thing is, now we're past Super Tuesday, so you can say it a little bit more. But it, all, it bugged me in the first couple of weeks. We were like two primaries in and people are like, we have to unify behind Trump. And I'm like, this is what the primaries are about. The primaries are about putting up someone who you think is the best person. Like you just said, there's no reason to have a primary if you're just going to be like, oh, Trump's going to win anyway. So I'm just going to support him. Exactly. I think I think this also goes back to what Russ was saying, that it's about your vote. Your vote is your vote. And the primary actually gives you an opportunity to voice your opinion, sort of speak. It's going to give you that voice of, this is the person that I want. And like you were saying, Andrew, it isn't we need to rally around the one guy already. It is, this is who I think uh, should be president. It, it's, not about, it's not about the popularity of the candidate. It's about who you want to represent you. And that's why we go into the primaries. And we need to take that seriously. And we need to, we need to stop looking at... Uh, the reality TV host, and, and we need to stop looking at uh, the popular name in politics, and we need to step back and say, who is going to actually represent me? Who's going to stand up for this country? Who's going to lead the country well? And who's going to actually get behind we the people? Okay, Brent, this next one I'd like you to tackle first, and Russ and I will jump in, <laughs> oh, um, all right. which is, why do you think Trump is so popular? Now, I know we joke about it. We go back and forth a lot about why he is he's he's there's a lot of fodder for late night television but speaking fairly seriously here why do you think he's caught on so much because i'll tell you the truth when he first jumped on the scene i thought well there would be there would be a pretty a decent size group of people that would go for him just because you know he's different he's he's saying stuff that nobody else will say but then i've i've noticed people that I've respected that I've known as principled conservatives in the past, but they're still buying off. So thinking about that, what is your theory? Uh, uh, my theory is, is Donald Trump has tapped in to the anger of America, um, whether that's good or bad. Uh, he's, he's done it. He's, he said, we need to get all the illegal Im uh, immigrants out. We need to build a wall. Uh, no more Muslims. Uh, Politicians keep saying the same things over and over. They don't do anything. Uh, I win, and this is and this is resonating with people. We want a winner. We we want to be a great country again. We 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 want to make sure that our borders are protected, and we want to make sure that the right people 
uh, that the people are being uh, treated fairly. However, uh, Donald Trump um, has said a lot, but he's also backtracked a lot. He's flip-flopped on things that he said, even in, even in debates. And people aren't, people aren't taking a step back, like I said, to check out the guy. They are drawn into one of two things, I believe. Either the anger that he's tapped into or the fact that he's a billion-dollar celebrity. Russ, any additional thoughts? Yeah, I, the the problem I have with the whole anger perspective is that I it's not believable in 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 my opinion because for so long people have been saying, "Oh, we're angry, we're angry," and then when they have the chance to, let's say, they have a chance to remove a long-serving senator or congressman, they don't do it. They reelect the same old, same old. You know that's why you have a Congress that has an eight percent approval rating and a ninety percent reelection rate. That's the perfect. That doesn't translate anger to that's me. That's the perfect example. Carl Levin retired. What was it? A year ago? Mm, yeah, Eff- uh, yeah, effectively a year ago. Yeah, he announced it before then, but effectively it was a year ago when Senator Peter took took Peters took over. Levin retired. He was in office, I believe, before I was born. Yeah. Possibly even close to a decade before I was born, and he never he he never left. He just stayed there. And the thing I've always said, and I know people say, well, if it was a conservative, you'd want him to stay in. But here's the bottom line. The bottom line is that if they have to change offices, then you, at least you have to think a little bit about who you're going to vote for. Mm-hmm. But if but if Levin's there every six years to vote for, and I'm not personally worse off, why would I bother investigating? another candidate and that's what i think is a big problem in our country today yeah exactly andrew and i think that goes right back to our point of the primaries is even when it comes to the being unhappy with senators we need to take a we need to look at the senators that are going to be running and we if we're unhappy guess what we can change it it's our (laughs) vote we can change the person that's in the office we always act like we can't change it. We act like it's it's their problem. And I don't really have it on the list for a major topic, but I just want to bring this up, too, is, like, when they talk about illegal immigration, I know it's become a huge issue in this election. I don't, I, for me, it's way farther down the list than for a lot of Americans, because I think if you get the right guy in there, he will deal with it in a reasonable manner. But the way some people talk, we don't let any immigrants into our country. That that in order to be here, you have to be illegal because we don't let anybody in. And that's just not right. It's not the way things go. I have a friend that I'm very proud of who just became a legal U.S. citizen two or three weeks ago. Hmm. He did it the right way. He's happy to be an American now. He came over from Germany. And and he is what the American dream is about. Yeah. I'm, uh, before I comment on the immigration, I'm going to add one more thing on the primary. Uh, that's the area you can vote your values, whatever you believe. I mean, everybody talks about the Republican field being huge. There were 17 candidates. You have a diverse group of people representing different different ideas, and that's the time you can vote your values. You don't have to compromise on a primary, and I think that's why it's very important uh, on both sides of the aisle uh, to do it. Uh, and on the immigration, that's a phenomenal point. Nobody talks about in the immigration debate the fact that we have a system of legal immigration where you can come to this country legally. Now, the, our legal immigration needs to be reformed because it's, it's, it is a bit uh, 
it takes a while. Uh, it's kind of a muddled system. Uh, and I think I wish we had more politicians who would direct the conversation to that. And it's, I've heard it a couple of times uh, this election, but most of it focus on, focuses on the illegal side and less on actually improving the legal system so we can get good people into the country uh, who are looking to better their lives and who, who benefit this country. And kind of along those lines, I think one of the reasons why the influx of illegal immigrants is so big and why it's such a big issue is because, I, in my opinion, and this isn't going to be popular, we have way too many government benefits. And so people say, well, if I can get over to America and nab these government benefits, then it's going to be worth being an American instead of being an American because you have the freedom to do things and become something that you can't be other places but we, we've we've given too many freebies. And I know people think that I'm a hypocrite because I take disability. But let me tell you something. I've been trying to get off disability, trying to get to the point where I'm self-sustaining and working a full-time job since I got out of college. And it is not easy. And I'll tell you something. I remember a while back, President Obama said that the mark of a good government program would be that it would be a program that would help people get off of it. And I agree with him in exactly what he said, but he doesn't believe what he said. And most politicians don't because when they look at government programs, they want to help us, but they want to help us on their terms. And that's a very dangerous thing, but it's true. Yeah. And with government programs like that, there, there's definitely widespread abuse on those. And that's, again, you know, we get into these little fighting matches about, Oh, this person wants to cut this. This person wants to cut that. And it's less about the fact that it just, it needs to be reformed. Nobody's really talking about cutting these things and, and doing away with them 100%. You know, most believe that there should be some sort of safety net to help people who genuinely need it and who generally, uh, genuinely require the assistance yeah. that it provides. Yeah, I think, I think there's a big difference between the people that actually need it, need the help, and the people that have figured out how to uh, live off of the help. And that, that is definitely a huge difference. Uh, I know in my personal life, uh, I've, I've uh, well, not me, but my mom has, has had to be, has needed assistance. And she got the assistance, but every time that she was on the assistance, she wanted to get off, or not every time, it was one time, but she wanted to get off of it as quickly as she possibly could. And, it's, and those systems are there to help people get back onto their feet. Essentially, that's why they, yeah. that's why they were created. But people are now using it to live off of, and that's that is the problem. Well, and I and I like let me just give you a brief example that I I really feel like my disability check should be on a sliding scale. Like you get a certain amount per month, and then if you make two hundred dollars more more than you should in your income, then your disability check should go down two hundred dollars. But I had an example last year where they didn't touch my disability check. But they took away the home health check that my brothers get for taking care of me when they said I had too much money. So, in effect, if I didn't have my family to take care of me, I could have been flat on my back, not able to go anywhere or do anything because the home help was gone. Because that's a greater scare tactic than taking my disability check, which I really am trying to work my way off of anyway. So that's just an example of how backward the system can be. So, oh, yeah, it, and and I think I think... Uh, along those lines, when you, when you said scare tactic, 
the government will have more control over you over you if you're using those programs to live off of instead of help instead of using those programs to get back onto your feet so then the pro, so then the government actually has more control over you and here's the thing that people need to know thomas jefferson once said that whatever the government gives you they have the power to take away that's a paraphrase it's not the exact quote but that's basically what he said. Oh, they're going to get you for and, paraphrasing it. And, that was the real Thomas Jefferson <laughs> well, quote. How about this? I will look up the quote and I will try to include it on the blog post for this <laughs> for this episode. But the point being that it's true. You can you can say all you want that it would be great if the government gave me free college or or free this or free that, free health care for the masses. We know how how free health care has worked so far. You know, free health care might be for people on disability, but Everybody I know that's gainfully employed, their health care costs have skyrocketed. So that kind of works like doesn't doesn't work. So, you know, the, the practical a lot of times the way I look at it is liberals have a lot of good ideas that I would agree with in theory. But their practical application of them lacks a lot of discretion and actually figuring out point A to point B. Yeah, and a lot of problem with this too is you can't actually have a have a conversation about it because you you can't sit down and talk about it. I remember in, in 2012 when uh, Paul Ryan was talking about reforming uh, Social Security and uh, and Medicare, Medicaid, and the Democrats came out with an ad that showed him pushing an old lady off a cliff. <laughs> I mean, that's that that's the problem with politics is you can't have a conversation. I can actually sit down with my liberal friends and have a conversation, but on the political level. You can't do that because everybody has an agenda. Uh, everybody has, you know, they, they want to paint you as a bad person because it's all about the, the quest for power, who can get the majority in the Senate and the House, who can get the presidency, etc. It's all just the uh, musical chairs to see who can have the majority at the end of the, when the music stops playing. All right, well, we're going to get into the Michigan primary in a second. But first, I was wondering if you had any thoughts on the Super Tuesday happenings. Oh, we have we have lots of thoughts. On that. Do you want to do you want to lead us off there? It was great. <laughs> oh, you want more thoughts than that, huh? All right. Uh, the, my thoughts on Super Tuesday were, uh, or they are uh, surprising and uh, actually really just surprising because uh, Ted Cruz was, uh, I think, favored to win only one state, and that would have been his home state, and he takes three states, uh, and uh, Donald Trump. Uh, in the polls was looking phenomenal, uh, but really only came out and bested. Well, from the numbers that we've seen, he bested Cruz by twenty-eight delegates. So uh, overall, uh, Super Tuesday um, was very surprising and very tiring. But yeah, yeah, that was that was the moment where Trump was supposed to solidify his lead as the the Republican front runner, the Republican nominee, but. He really didn't do a good job at that. He uh, he almost lost Virginia to Marco Rubio. Almost lost Vermont uh, to John Kasich of all people. I don't. I, I on the way over here, I saw a lot of John Kasich signs, and I was like, "Do we enter Ohio?" <laughs> because I'm fairly certain, uh, even there, he's barely known. <laughs> I was gonna look. I, I was gonna see on my phone here if I can find the delegate count. 
but I know that like I can I have I have a memory. Do you have do you have it? Okay. Uh, well, why don't you go ahead and, and tell us where we stand with, please the, do. with the three top candidates? We don't need to go into all five. No. Well, let's go with the top three. Um, Donald Trump has 319 okay. delegates. Uh, Ted Cruz has 226. And Marco Rubio has 106. Please listen to these last two numbers again. Tell us Marco Rubio's number and... Ted Cruz is number. Marco Rubio has 106. Ted Cruz has 226. And the reason I bring this up, and and Russ and I and Brant, we're all Brent, we're all talking about this before we went on air too. If you watched the live Facebook video, you might have heard some of it. <laughs> but uh, we were talking about the fact that before Super Tuesday, everybody was yammering that Cruz needed to bow out so that Rubio could take over and mm-hmm. dominate Trump. Well, it looks like. Uh, Cruz had a much better Super Tuesday than did Rubio. Yeah, I, I heard a bunch of people talking. Uh, well, I should say, I saw them on Twitter, uh, and they were they were going on about how well you know it's all about delegates. So Rubio is still in it. It's all about delegates. And okay, I understand that. Obviously, the person who gets the most delegates wins. But you actually have to win states in order to get the most delegates. Rubio, as of last night, has only won a single state. And that was hard fought for him. In polling, he's losing in his home state of Florida right now, which is also should be noted is actually the also the home state of Donald Trump and Ben Carson, but they never talk about that. But, uh, you know, Ted Cruz at this point has won four states now. And that seems to always get overshadowed. You know, Marco Rubio can come in second and third place, and he's it's spun as a huge victory for him. Uh, I guess that's what happens when you have really low expectations. But it it's nonsensical because, as we point out, Cruz has 200. Cruz is about 93 delegates behind Donald Trump. That's that's really doable in, in political terms to, to overcome that. And almost 100 above Rubio. All, yeah, yeah so over, 100, over 100. Yeah, Rubio. about 120 above Rubio. And if you combine just Rubio and Cruz, they have more than Trump combined. You don't even have to have Kasich and, and Carson's delegates, which are 25 and 8, respectively. But you just have to have those two, and you have more delegates than Trump has. Well, as of today, I was seeing as we were coming into the studio that uh, Carson has, in effect, suspended his campaign. Now, he's going to get upset if the Cruz campaign listens to this. Well, and says, in fairness, because we don't want to, we don't want to upset the good doctor. But he hasn't officially suspended <laughs> yes, his campaign. Yes, we must make that clear. He has admitted that there is no path forward for him to the nomination, and that he's bowing out of the Detroit debate. Yes, he has bowed out of the debate. Um, which, to me, it's like I'd love to see all of them bow out because I'm I'm really done with Republican debates at this point. So I have to say I'm kind of looking forward to this one just because having only four guys on the stage. Mm-hmm. Should be interesting. I don't know. You still have uh, Gary Shandler. I mean, John Kasich uh, (laughs) interjecting every couple minutes. But what they should do is just have no moderators and say, okay, you guys, go for it. Well, if you don't have moderators, though, it's going to be dominated by John Kasich playing Fruit Ninja. (laughs) It's like, seriously, man? Okay. Be like The View. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, wait, hold on. Uh, Who's John Kasich on The View, then? (laughs) 
I think Whoopi Goldberg. Oh, what? Oh, there we go. Guess who uh, is a bad American? <laughs> Selection okay. here. Actually, I think you're safe though. Not no, like if you had just been he- quick with an answer on that, I would have been like, okay, <laughs> really? Adam, I must say, I, I thought you would be the last person to go there uh, in this room. It's, it's always the quiet ones you got to look out for, <laughs> including me. Say. I probably would have gone there before you did. So <laughs> I guess we're rubbing off on you. <laughs> so, any, but anyway, steering back. Well, we we will see. But I I really think. That as we gear up for Michigan, we need to think about this. Um, and like I said, there's not a bunch of isolated issues. If it was a, if it was enough about an isolated issue, and you could say I'm voting for this president because of his his immigration policy, then fine, vote for Trump. But you have to think about. Well, I'm I'm not saying I would on that either, but I'm just saying theoretically, if you could like called out, if you could vote on one issue. Maybe I could see it a little bit, but you have to realize he'll have power to appoint justices. He will, he will have power to suggest laws, at least. And he will, you know, have, you know, we know that certain presidents like executive orders and who knows what he would do with that power. Well, that's so. Let me add something onto that, man, because that's something that truly worries me when I look at somebody like Donald Trump who has the mentality of, of the executive, the CEO, America is not a, a not a corporation. You it, you have three separate but equal branches. Uh, the president is he's not CEO. He doesn't get to make and unilateral decisions. But what we've seen with this president is a huge amount of power invested in the in executive branch, and that handed over to Donald Trump. That frightens me. Okay, and with that, we'll segue into as we as we go into the polls. And I'm pretty sure I kind of know where you guys stand. But as we go into the polls, what do you think should be going through the minds of Michigan's voters? Uh, I think first and foremost, you need to take a you need to take a look. Who is saying that they're going to stand behind we the people? Who is for the people? Who's the guy that's up there talking about he's going to change the country? Who's the guy that's sitting there saying that it's going to take only one man, one man to make this country great again? The, re- the reason why America is great isn't because of one man. It wasn't because of George Washington. It wasn't because of any, it wasn't because of any of the founding fathers, or, or at least the single founding father. It was because of we the people. It was because of all of the founding fathers. It is because of us, the people, being able to get out and voice who we want. Now, when you when you go and you when you go f- for the polls, you, you need to ask yourself that question: Who is going to stand behind us, or who is going to try to uh, lead us his way? Not necessarily. Not necessarily a bad way, but his way, because we, we already we already have laws, we already have a constitution, we already know what's going on, but the person that wants to lead the nation his way is is, is going to fail, and it's and proof is in the pudding right now. But the person that wants to be behind the people to make the people great again—that's what we need to think about. Yeah, and and. Not being, again, not being caught up in this, well, this is the person who can win, or 
Oh, this is the, you know, because we had that with Mitt Romney. Mitt Romney was the only candidate who could win, and he lost. So was John, Cain, John McCain. John McCain was the yeah. only candidate who could win. He lost. And so uh, was Bob, Bob Dole. Bob Dole was the, the only candidate who could win. He lost. So these, these people <laughs> were being told are the only candidates who can win. Uh, they've been the losers every time. And if, if, if that's the only candidate who can win on the Republican <laughs> side, they're in trouble uh, because they're, they all lost. Yeah, exactly. So... I just want to say that I think that we need to vote our conscience rather than popular. This isn't American Idol, folks. This is not something where you can dial five million times, get your five million. Unless votes you're in, in Chicago, and and uh, <laughs> Florida, and you know you shouldn't be voting if you're dead. Just want to put that out there. Sorry, um, you should be <laughs> should be breathing. But I I really think you know. We see these polls like 70 to 80 percent of the U.S. claims to be Christian when war when the movie War Room came out, like, you know, it it won the box office its opening weekend, which I grant you it wasn't a very busy movie weekend, but I still thought that was significant. But the saddest thing to me was that a movie like that could top the box office and then the results of that aren't permeating society. If people really care about a message like that as much as they say they do. It should permeate society, and it should affect the way we vote. I think the the problem with that is people like hearing the message, acting it out is a is a whole different scenario. Oh, absolutely, I totally agree with you, and we need to get past that. It's time to stop settling, you know. Well, and uh, on the Russ and Eyes Your Day show, to be straightforward, we've been very uh, pro Ted Cruz on the on our show, and uh, we continue to stand by that because. You know, I, I hear a lot of people say, well, Cruz can't win. Well, he's this, well, that. Just to people who say that, stop it. I mean, come on. This is why we, we, this is why we can't have good candidates because you, we, we always talk ourselves out of it somehow. We always say, well, but uh, I don't know. He this, that, the other thing, his face. Uh. <laughs> Actually, I don't even know if we talk. Well, I think we do talk ourselves out of it. But I think, I think a lot of that, too, comes in with uh, the media. The media will pick our our candidate and it's like oh sweet hey you guys do a bang up job giving us the news how about you pick our candidate and somehow we all go yeah yeah that's uh that's the guy but uh no 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 no. the media does not pick our candidate number one and number two they don't do a very good job because apparently uh rubio was supposed to have a fantastic night last night he did he got third and second place in in a few states oh yeah and, and trump got third in minnesota that, that's awesome, by the way. Can we just pause? Yeah, we, we, I'm glad you brought that up. <laughs> so, so was Cruz second in Minnesota then? Yes, or, yes he was. Okay. Or, uh, yes, yeah, it went so, Rubio and then Cruz. Then that's Trump. music to my ears that he at least got one third place. That is that is music to my ears. But uh, Trump is a winner. He wins all the time. All the time Except he wins in Texas, uh, Texas, Oklahoma, and Alaska. <gasps> Sarah Palin State. <laughs> oh. <laughs> You went there. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I went there. <laughs> Somebody had to go there. <laughs> no, but I, but on a more serious note, I've never made an, made an official endorsement from the Speaking for Him podcast. But this year, I am endorsing Ted Cruz. Those on my Facebook page know it already because I did a video endorsement. And I, for the reasons we've outlined today on the show, it's so important that we that we vote in a constitutional conservative who loves the Constitution. And the ironic thing is people say, well, he doesn't get along with anybody in Congress. 
and I saw this video that was basically bashing him and saying why he was more dangerous than Trump. It gave like five or six reasons. Oh, yeah. I watched it, and I was like, that's exactly why I want him to be my president. Well, what's funny is people say that about Ted Cruz, but then they turn around to Donald Trump and they say, well, this guy, he's an outsider. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't play games with the with the other politicians. They wait, but Ted Cruz has actually proven that through actions. Donald Trump says it and then turns around and says, oh, uh, I'm going to cut deals with uh, Nancy Pelosi and Harry Reid and uh, we're going to we're going to get things done. Well, like he said, he had to study the KKK as an organization to figure out whether well, I mean, whether their endorsement was a bad thing. Like he's, he's, <laughs> well, he has to study it. But just last year and several years before that, uh, he condemned them, actually. And now he suddenly is having amnesia about them uh I, maybe they switched up maybe they switched up their whole tactic the kkk no longer a threat they're just switched up so now trump has to restudy it and say no i don't like them let's give him the benefit let's give him the benefit of the doubt <laughs> the logical benefit yeah uh so we're basically giving him the benefit of the doubt that he's a bit of an idiot well, <laughs> is that uh, i didn't want to come straight out and say it which but... surprised me <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, we've had some fun today. I've enjoyed I having Brent, Brent and Russ in the studio with us. And um, actually, this podcast will be simulcast on the Russ and I is Your Day yep. podcast feed on Friday. Same as here on the Speaking for Him podcast. If you'd like more information on the Russ and I is Your Day show, where should they go, guys? They can go to www.whirlwindmedia.com. That's W-H-R-L, windmedia.com. That was straight-up NPR sounding right there. (laughs) That was really good. (laughs) Thanks for listening. Go to www. (laughs) Diana Reams is next. <laughs> All right. oh, before we get too, oh boy. <laughs> before we get too far off the rails, we will we will end things. But Adam, uh, did you have any thoughts on what we've discussed today? Because you kind of just been sitting there taking it all in. It's <laughs> <laughs> a lot of thoughts for best <laughs> ever listening. Um, it, it, can we vote for kid president? Is that it? the guy who does the YouTube videos? Uh, he's a little young. <sighs> All these laws. You can write them in. I <laughs> you can write them in. Uh, I, I think the biggest thing I have to say is, you know, I, I like how you're saying, Andrew, about vote with your conscience. I, I always say vote with your heart, not your wallet. And I feel like so many election years that happens, you know, because it's what president is going to get me the most income and money so I can get the best stuff. And uh, just, I just I want to challenge you to just really uh, pray it through this year and just vote from your heart. Don't vote based on how funny Hillary Clinton was on Saturday Night Live last night. Instead, you know, vote with, you know, your heart. Look through it because the morals are going to be what pour down over this country, if we're going to be honest. And wherever that candidate's heart is and if they get in, that's where the direction of stuff's going to go. Well, let's just be honest a second. If you are voting for Hillary Clinton because she was funny on Saturday Night Live, you have problems because I don't see how that's even possible. (laughs) (laughs) I think she has smiled once. Oh, wow. (laughs) I'm not going to believe that until I see a clip of that. (laughs) I'm sorry. She didn't smile. That was a sneer. (laughs) <laughs> of course or gas <laughs> or either or this is my fault i opened the door on that one so <laughs> that's the second time the second time what's wrong tonight with me i started out the show saying we take politics and ruin its self-esteem that's on you for not <laughs> i'm the producer i have the control over this adam, microphone and board so. adam mcnutt adam at jq99.com <laughs> great uh, it's okay so, 
I, I have smiles sometimes. It happens, you know? It's, it's all right. I'm but sorry. anyway, uh, do you guys have any final thoughts before we head to the polls on Tuesday? Uh, yeah, I would, I would like to say uh, vote for the candidate that speaks to you and not the candidate that the media wants to throw at you. Uh, like we've iterated, vote with your heart. Vote with your vote with your heart and vote with your head. Because um, <laughs> really, I think a lot of times we step out and we forget common sense when we step into that booth. We, uh, uh, we have to fill in the bubble. What bubble? Vote with some common sense. And you might want to bring your wallet, though, because sometimes you need your ID. <laughs> you do have to literally vote with your wallet. Uh, that should be, should be noted. But I agree with, with everything Brent said. And, uh, you know, also uh, in certain states, there were about, I think in Virginia, there were about 20,000 votes cast for people no longer in the race. Come on, people. Come on. Pay attention. Go out and educate yourself because there's a lot at stake this election, and it's very important that you are informed. It's as simple as going to Google and typing something in. There's really no reason for you to be uninformed this election season or any election season. Don't just rely on the media telling you who you're supposed to support uh, and and why you're supposed to do it. Figure out for yourself. Listen to the rest of Nice Your Day show and we'll tell you. (laughs) (laughs) And if you really want to have a detailed kind of explanation of the views and see who is closest to align with you you can go to isidewith.com i believe it is it could be .org i will look it up and put it on the blog but it's a website called isidewith and it basically takes you through a comprehensive survey of a bunch of different issues and then sub issues within those issues and it will help you to determine which candidate you are most closely aligned with so if you truly are still seeking and wondering who that is, go ahead and go to that website. Um, You know, we gave our recommendation, a recommendation that we truly believe in. We can't tell you that you have to vote that way. That's what makes this country free. And so we want to encourage you to get out and vote, but please vote educated. Please don't just watch what the media does and follow them because they, they actually just want to get the most views, the most clicks, the most likes. But we're talking about the future of our country. And as we go into the polls, may I encourage you, as always, to keep serving the best of masters. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Your host has been Andrew Gomison, founder of Speaking for Him, alongside his co-host and executive producer, Adam McNutt. For more information on today's show and to leave us comments and voicemails, visit speakingforhim.blogspot.com. You can find Andrew's ministry at speakingforhim.com. That's speaking, the number four, H-I-M. You can also interact with us at facebook.com slash speakingforhim and on Twitter at speakingforhim. And when you look for us on iTunes and Stitcher, let us know what you think of the podcast by leaving a rating and review. 